Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. On today's podcast, we are going to discuss VO2 max. And VO2 max is defined as the oxygen uptake when activating large skeletal muscle groups at maximal intensity. So things like running and cycling and many other things. You can have VO2 max measured in a lab, but in today's world, a wearable device like a Garmin or a Fitbit or the Apple Watch all will give you an estimate of your VO2 max number. And I find in studying it over the last 20 to 25 years that it's fairly, fairly accurate. So I think you can rely on it. Of course, you want to get multiple readings, not just one, because if you measure it just one time and your watch's heart rate is higher or it didn't, your GPS didn't work and it didn't get your right distance in order to calculate your pace or there's something wrong with the duration, then it doesn't measure it correctly. So I always encourage people to get two to four weeks of data and I encourage people to measure it by being outside either with a brisk walk where you get your heart rate up and you're in a GPS area so it can measure pace and distance and duration and heart rate or via a jog or via a run. You can also measure it on a bike if you're outside, it measures those same characteristics. I wanted to talk about VO2 max today because it's fascinating with all the articles that have been coming out for years about the importance of measuring VO2 max. A lot of endurance athletes will look at it as kind of like, okay, the higher my VO2 max is, the faster I can be, the more I can accomplish. And there, there's a huge genetic component to VO2 max. And, you know, people with the higher VO2 maxes and the highest VO2 maxes are the ones that are on the start line in the Olympics in a lot of the cycling or distance running, uh, you know, from a 5K to a marathon. You got a lot of the triathletes and the, at, at every level all the way up to Ironman or Ultra Ironman. And you get a lot of the snow people, the biathlon people that do the cross-country skiing. A lot of cross-country skiers have ridiculous VO2 maxes also. But the one that's exciting to me is the biathlon where they do cross-country skiing and they carry a rifle and they stop and they shoot at a target. They, they're going as hard as they can and they have such high VO2 maxes that they're able to recover very fast so they're not shaking when they fire the gun. So these are all different ways uh, that high VO2 max people, Lance Armstrong, for example, has a ridiculously high VO2 max. And when he was taking the steroids and blood doping, he made it even higher. But these are some of the things that elite athletes have. But for the regular people like us, VO2 max is interesting because when we get the number, we can get a benchmark of where our fitness is. And then we can try to improve uh, or at least maintain good numbers. And if our number is going lower, then we want to improve upon those. I will attach in the show notes to this podcast charts for both men and women that will give you an idea of when you get your VO2 max number, you can go look at these charts and it'll tell you where you stack up, whether you have a superior VO2 max or whether you have a very poor VO2 max. And what I wanted to talk about is kind of what VO2 max is. Uh, that's what we talk about this on this podcast, how to measure it and some, some tips. But I'm going to share with you some of the research that I've gotten lately, which is why I'm so focused on VO2 max. And in a nutshell, the more, the more healthy we are, the better our VO2 max is, and the more unhealthy we are, particularly when it, when it deals with our aerobic capacity, uh, you know, when we're, you know, which is low usually if we're not exercising, we're not doing strength, and we're certainly not doing cardio exercises. There is now a, uh, lots of research out there that says there's a direct correlation between the more poor and the lower our VO2 max is, then the more poor our lifespan is, both quality of life and how long we live. Direct correlations there. So 
you know, we talk about why we want to exercise, why we want to be consistent, why we want to eat well and not drink too much alcohol and not take drugs and keep our stress levels down and sleep, et cetera, et cetera. Well, all these play into helping to build up our VO2 max or to take it down. And there's a lot of direct evidence that when we are doing these things, we're healthier. And, you know, when I look at my VO2 max, I'm 50 years old. Garmin says I have the fitness age of a 20 year old. Uh, and that my VO2 max is superior, says I'm in the top five for my age group. Now, that's because I exercise pretty easy most days, and I'm in good shape, right? There have been times when I think my VO2 max number has been 47, and there's been times when I'm really in good shape, and I'm really training a lot, where it's 57, and my number right now is 52, and it goes probably somewhere between 49 and 53 on average. That is just for me, but I have been a lifelong exerciser. And there's evidence that says that when we start to exercise, particularly when we're in our young, you know, like in our young 20s, uh, and we do it consistently for our life, that we have much better VO2 max as we get older and we live longer. Now, there's a lot of evidence out there also that even if we haven't done that from a younger age, if we start exercising consistently and living the pillars when we're in our middle ages, that can make a huge difference for our quality of life and how long we live in the future. And, and the opposite is also true. So I'm going to read uh, just a few things that I've seen in my research that I thought were interesting. And then we'll go into the podcast where we talked about this on one of our recent weekly Zoom calls. But takeaway is see if you can measure it and measure it multiple times on your watch. Take a look at these charts or go look online for a chart and try. And if your number is poor, try and improve it by having consistent exercise and living the pillars. If your number is good, good job, maintain it. One of the articles that I read, this is from 2006, said fitness may be greater indicator of mortality risk than high cholesterol, blood pressure. Poor physical fitness ranks right behind smoking as leading risk factors for early mortality, according to a study published online in the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology. The new research analyzed 792 men born in 1913 who performed an exercise test in 1967 at 54 years of age. More than 650 of the healthiest men had also also had measurements of their VO2 max. Tracking the men and using information from several physical exams in the intervening years, the researchers obtained data on deaths from all causes. To determine the association between predicted VO2 max and mortality, study participants were divided into three groups ranging from low to high VO2 max. The researchers found that each increase in predicted VO2 max levels was linked with a 21% lower risk of death over 45 years of follow-up, even after adjusting for other risk factors such as smoking, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. So I'll repeat that. It basically says that every, every time your VO2 max was higher, you had a 21% lower risk of death. It says each increase in predicted VO2 max levels was linked with a 21% lower risk of death for 45 years of follow-up. It says fitness in middle age is of importance for mortality risk for several decades. Another article I saw said there is little doubt that an active lifestyle has positive influences on human organism, but that physical inactivity, not exercising, not moving, may be seen as pathology. In other words, maybe causes of ill health and other issues and diseases. Regular exercise training increases a variety of psychological, physiological parameters, and all of them may contribute to the training-induced increase in maximal 
oxygen uptake with his VO2 max, which is an indicator of the system's ability to deliver oxygen to active muscle as well as a biomarker, biomarker of health. These include an elevated cardiac output, augmented blood volume, skeletal muscle angiogenesis, increased skeletal muscle mitochondrial volume density as well as function, and a shift in skeletal muscle fiber distribution towards more oxidative fibers. So you get all of those very good things with exercise. Recent advances underscore the importance of lifelong structured exercise to enhance or maintain your VO2 max and your cardio fitness, but particularly in early adulthood, which is something I mentioned earlier. Moreover, there is a large body of clinical evidence demonstrating that the addition of exercise and activity to traditional risk factors significantly enhances risk predictions so that the American Heart Association recently strongly recommended the assessment of your VO2 max during routine clinical visits to improve patient health care. Well, I can't imagine any doctor is going to be able to assess your VO2 max. What they can assess is they can talk to you about how much, how much exercise you're doing. And if you're not doing enough of it, they can encourage you to do more of it. But you certainly now with all these wearable devices can assess your VO2 max if you do it consistently uh, over time. We can move our VO2 max up. Uh, There's a huge genetic component to VO2 max, so we can't move it up a ton, but we can move it up, uh, according to the experts, by 15 to 20%. Personally, that's what I find. I can move mine up by. It's almost exactly somewhere in the 15 to 20% range, either up or down, depending on how I'm uh, living and how healthy I am. So these are just a few of the articles that I saw that talk about the importance of increasing physical activity and exercise and the impact on VO2 max. And when, when VO2 max is measured by the experts, they found a direct correlation to improved health for those that had a higher number and a shorter life for those that had a lower number. So takeaway is try and get out there. If you're not being good about exercise, try and get it incorporated into your life, change your lifestyle and habits to make it happen. And we'd love to hear from you if you do that. One other point I wanted to make before we get into the podcast, and that is once you establish your VO2 max benchmark, that is a personal number for you. It's not like, you know, if you have 35 and I have a 25, your 35 is better than my 25. It depends on your age also and your gender. And what you should be focused on, which is what I'm focused on, is my relative improvement or lack thereof. So if my number is 35 and my charts say, hey, that's great. That's very good or excellent for my age. And, you know, I might want to look at the highest levels. How can I get my VO2 max to that superior level, Um, which, you know, is always fun. Um, and But if it's good and I'm doing as much as I can to live healthy and I don't feel like I'm going to be able to improve it that much more without drastic changes, then I just accept, great, that's great. And if that 35 is very good, then I try and maintain that for 35. Now, if that 35 is poor for me based on my charts, based on my age and gender, then I say to myself, well, what do I need to do to make some changes to improve upon that number? And, 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 and again, it's going to take multiple, uh, it's going to take months and months, if not years, um, to uh, focus on that VO2 max number to try and improve it. But there is evidence out there that you can improve your VO2 max over a very short period of time by just incorporating, like if you're the type of person that doesn't do any cardio exercise at all, doesn't do any strength. I saw something I read that said that even within six days when people started running for 10 or 15 minutes, they saw some improvements in those numbers. So I think the key thing is to A, make sure you get your number and 
on a relative basis, try and improve it or maintain it. Um, and if it's really low, you may you, you may want to talk to an expert or a personal trainer. Or I'm, ha- I'm happy to schedule some time with you to talk about what your number is and, and look at uh, all the ways you're living, including your exercise and the other pillars, and figure out what you might need to do to improve it. Because from my takeaway is from reading all the evidence and everything, you know, there is definitely, for those that have the low VO2 max numbers, there is definitely a risk of more earlier mortality or poor quality of life or shorter lifespan or all of the above. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Um, I want to talk about VO2 max, which is an interesting conversation. And um, so I just want to tell you what VO2 max is. And I want to talk about uh, some of these wearable devices measuring it. And I want to talk about some other ways to measure it. And I want to talk about why, why I want to talk about it. And a lot of VO2 max is genetic. And so you will see, like, and hear people talk about VO2 max pretty frequently, particularly in the endurance community. Um, and when I started to become an endurance athlete, I got a test. Emilio's on the phone. Emilio has gone in and gotten a test from hospital for special surgery. I used to think, oh, the higher VO2 max, the better. But if you take a look... Um, at uh, let's say we have a bunch of 5k runners on the start line at the Olympics. Okay. Those people will have VO2 maxes from 65 to 85 or 90. You'll have a wide range, right? And the guy with the 65 or 70 could still beat the guy with the, the 85 or 90 VO2 max. So it's not all about VO2 max. It is also about all the other, other stuff we talk about. And I've gotten to a point where, yeah, I want to know what my VO2 max was maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but now I care much more about holistic living and metabolic efficiency and many other things. Where VO2 max really does matter is you can go into a lab and you can get it measured. They can put a thing on your nose and they can measure the way you breathe and they can measure at various t- uh, paces and intensity levels, as that definition I read said, what your VO2 max is, how much how much ability does your heart have to pump blood through your body? And if there's this great movie tour called Prefontaine that talks about this great athlete, Steve Prefontaine, who was one of the most elite um, endurance runners in American history, he was killed, he killed in a car accident after going out to a party one night, unfortunately. Uh, but he was in the Olympics and, you know, really gifted guy. And I remember the coach of the Oregon track team, Bill Marlman, had said to him at one point, your heart probably can pump more blood than any human being on the planet which is the reason why he was setting all kinds of world records and was never losing any races for a super, super long time and then was in the Olympics. He was born with a lot of that gift. Now, we can be born with ge- genetics for VO2 max and we can increase our VO2 max, but there's only so far we can increase it, okay? So, um, but, but and, and you can look at like people that have ridiculously high VO2 maxes and they can achieve some amazing things. And so some people that can go out and run four something minute miles, they're born with that gift and they can train it to some degree, but somebody like me, who can maybe run something in the fives. I can't run a four something mile. Now I might be able to run faster, right? Uh, as a sprinter, but where the VO2 max does matter is uh, it does give us an indication of where somebody's overall health and, and, and fitness is and endurance fitness. And you will see that um, the people that have lower VO2 maxes generally in my experience have not really been consistent with training their body aerobically and they haven't done a lot of things necessary to be in shape kind of consistently over time. And so I look at VO2 max as like not that important, but it is incredibly important to get what your number is. And then on a relative basis, uh, if it's too low, 
I sent a chart around in the email for this call. If it's too low, trying to improve it. And there was something I, I've read over the past and I read it yesterday that talked about how some some of the scientists out there think that the VO2 max is a, is a better indicator of potential heart issues, heart disease, heart attacks, strokes than cholesterol is and higher cholesterol. And there are many people out there that think that cholesterol numbers can be higher versus lower. Right. And so I, we're not here to talk about cholesterol. I have my own views on cholesterol, but the VO2 max, certainly when I start coaching people, our devices, our Garmin measures it, our Fitbit has its own way of measuring it. Although they don't call it VO2 max, they call it something else. And the Apple watch does measure it. Right. And so I think we've all seen on our devices, what our VO2 max is. And we're always kind of like, well, what does that mean? And then we kind of go look and we say, okay, where does this put me? Is this put me below average, average, above average? as an athlete or elite. Um, what, what I want to see people do is at least get a benchmark to establish what their VO2 max is. And then if it's uh, measured as below average, then to try and improve it. Now, the question is, how do you measure it, right? And so I will tell you that I, I, I do almost all of my runs right now super easy. And when we came out to California, I, I started running right before we came out to California, and I saw a progressive uh, increase in my VO2 max. And that was because I was getting faster as a runner at the same heart rate over time. And when we first came to California, I was running a lot of hills, and it was cool. And then our second month, we went to a place where I was running flat. Now, when I was running lots of hills, and uh, my VO2 max was actually lower because when you run lots of hills and things, you're slower. And the algorithm that's on these devices is if it's, it doesn't factor in hills, it doesn't factor in heat and humidity, it doesn't factor in dew point, which is a combination of those things. So if we're really wanting to rely on these devices to measure our VO2 max correctly, the best way to do it is either you're running the same or while running or walking briskly the same course over and over and over again. So you have consistency at about the same, um, weather levels and everything. And then if you have that and you get your heart rate up and you have enough measurements over time, that'll give you an estimate of your VO2 max, right? I know when I went from these hills and everything to running very flat into in the second house that we were at in California, my VO2 max went up four points. Okay. And then we moved to our third house and I started running really, really big hills, right? And it went way down for a period of time with all the other variables being consistent. Emilio just got his hand up. Yeah, Jim, Jim. Yeah. Um, not just hills, but also I think a lot about uh, altitude too, right? I mean, I would guess if you spent some, you know, time training at altitude, that would probably have an impact. And I would also guess that your VO2 max, you know, the athletes that have a high VO2 max probably do a lot better in high altitude racing and mountain racing. Sure. Um... I think that that some people do really well in altitude. Some people don't. Some people can improve their VO2 max by training at altitude and coming down to sea level. No question about all those things. A lot of the endurance runners do it. Um, but if we just even keep it simpler than that, like let's say that somebody goes out and their VO2 max is 29, right? And if you look at, there's lots of charts out there that you can see, it will tell you where your VO2 max, wh how you rate, whether people would consider that below average, average, above average, and we should be looking at those things. And it doesn't matter if somebody's, your VO2 max is like, what's yours, Amelia? Yours when you're probably trained, I would suspect is in the high 50s. I feel like it was, it was a little, I think it was a little higher than that. I mean, Might have even been it, 60. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's the problem is it's a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, you're like, oh, great. I've got a good high VO2 max. And then the other side of it as well, how lame is it that I can't do better 
with having such a high VO2 max, <laughs> you know, that's on me. So it's a funny, right? It's kind of a funny, a funny thing. But yeah, I, I don't remember. I'll, I, I'm, now I'm curious, so I'm going to check. How about you? Do you remember what yours was? Mine ranges um, somewhere around 51, 52 to 57. So when I was running 10 miles every day and doing zero speed and just running, yeah. you know, very easy, I was very metabolically efficient. I think it got up to 57 and then I ran my fastest marathon ever after that, never having trained really with speed, right? And what's interesting about the VO2 max is if we have this benchmark and we think about we want to improve it, I know it just happens up. I don't go looking for it, but it does pop up on my Garmin. I know that yeah. if I go on a run and I remember I'm doing all easy, okay? And I'm running the same course, basically same hills, a lot of hills. Um, like I went on a run yesterday. I was like, man, this feels really hard today. And uh, I said, hey, Siri, what's the current dew point? the dew point is 66 degrees. Yeah. Well, once you start to get over 60 degree dew point, it gets really hard. And so if yeah. like, if people are sitting there in North Carolina and they're walking around and the dew point is really high, then uh, they're probably going to get a VO2 max measurement that might be much lower than, they would, than what they would get if it was better weather with lower dew point. Right. And right. so I didn't realize that it fluctuated that much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I came to this new house, it went from 54 down to 47 or something. I was like, there's no way my VO2 max 47. Now I'm running three to five or 600 feet of gain in an hour and I'm training metabolically and I'm intentionally going slow. So I know that while, while it drops to 47, okay, now I got to see, I got to get some consistent measurements with the same course in the same weather. And right away, it jumped right back up to 50, 51, 52. Right. And uh, that's for me. Right. But what uh, what we also all know is if we stop exercising, we get hurt, we start living debaucherously, if that's a word, where we're drinking a lot and we're eating like crap and we're not sleeping and we have a ton of stress. I'm sure all of us on this call that have looked at VO2 max can look at the VO2 max and say, wow, it went from 35 to 28. OK. And then you pull that chart up and you're like, wow. Okay, 35 is like average to above average and 28 is below average. And the experts, the pundits about the heart rate stuff will say, look, you don't want your VO2 max to be down to 28 and your body is telling you something. Now, I would want to make sure that your measurement is correct, right? So if you just go out and you had a, you, you change your course and it's a ton of hills and the weather was really hot, you can't really just use that one VO2 reading, right? You really need to consistent measurements over time. A lot of times what will happen is when I go out and I finish a run, I'm like, I know. I can predict it now. Wow, that was an easy run. My heart rate was lower and I was faster. I guarantee my VO2 max is going up and it might not go up that day. It might be like the next day or two. So they do kind of, there's an algorithm where they calculate it, but I do see it go up. And I, I always know that if my VO2 max even goes up by one, that I just feel better. I can tell that my, my fitness has gone to the next level, right? And so I think that for everybody that is looking at their VO2 max measurements on their devices, and, and, and by the way, if you were to go into a lab and you were tested, and let's say I go into a lab and it says my VO2 max is 54, the watch is going to be, the Garmin or the Apple watch is going to be within one or two. It's going to be close enough to know that, yes, that it's about accurate. Bill, any comments or questions on that? One of my questions was, you know, how reliable is the Garmin or Fitbit when it's measuring that? If you only do a couple, it's going to be less reliable. Like I always say, I need, you know, many, many, many measurements, and then it's pretty reliable. And in fact, if you go read the literature online, it will tell you sometimes it's spot on, right? That guy, Tim, that we had on maybe two or three weeks ago, that went out and ran the virtual marathon in Death Valley, 
and he went out and ran, he's run a, he's run a sub 240 marathon. His VO2 max is in the 60s, right? That is elite level. And that explains a lot of why he can go out and do a sub 10 hour Ironman. Okay. We don't all have that. I was asking my mom last night, mom, what's your VO2 max? She wears a Fitbit. And she came back with a number that blew my mind. It's like, whoa, okay, that's high. I'm shocked by that, but that's high. I guess I, some of it's genetic and that's where some of my ability comes from. Now, it's all about consistency. It's all about trying to like factor in health and wellness every day. It is about trying to consistently eat well most of the time. It is about sleeping. It is about not drinking alcohol to excess or taking pills or sleep aids or those other things or drinking Benadryl, you know, all the stuff that can hang us over. All of that stuff does play into readings though. If I guarantee you, if you're really stressed, and you're gonna go measure it via a, a walk or, or sorry, a brisk walk where you get your heart rate up or you're gonna measure it via a run, then it's, it's gonna be worse if you are under all those different stresses, right? And so my advice would be, all right, go out and maybe even if you have a local track around you, you know, go out and do a brisk walk or, or maybe even a very easy run. Sometimes what happens is we're running too slow and, the, and there's lots of hills and there's lots of, uh, you know, humidity and everything that the VO2 max is just not going to show what you're truly capable of, right? I think the best way to measure it, it would be dur during some sort of run or even a, like a race. You know what I mean? A lot of times you go out and race and it is about being consistent and it is about getting multiple, multiple measurements over time. So you're really only competing against yourself. You know, you're trying to have, you have a relative level with your VO2 max and for sure, I think any of us that have ever tracked it, and Amelia, I don't know if you've ever really spent time tracking it when you've done your trading, but I just, you haven't, okay. I have, I'm into data, and I know for a fact, 100%, that when my VO2 max goes up on a relative basis for myself, I am fitter, I am faster, it is easier, I feel better. And it's not just about like um, the, the running. I have a bit of uh, plaque. I have a bit of heart disease, actually, which is a real bummer. And, um, I actually can feel like, um, I just feel in my heart when it goes up that I feel better, you know what I mean? And so I think trying to make sure that we get it up is good. Now, how do you get it up right now? One way to get it up is just, I think the most important thing by far is consistent exercise, right? And it is consistent exercise over time where we elevate our heart rate. And so if you're going out for a brisk walk, you know what I mean? And you're getting your heart rate up. That's great. Then take a look at your uh, reading. And, but if it was really hilly one day and then not hilly the next day, or if it was really humid, then they're not comparable, right? So pick kind of the same course. Let's see, pay attention to your pace. You know what I mean? Maybe when you're, when you're out doing a brisk walk, maybe you run for two or three minutes or five minutes, and then you walk again and you keep doing that. I think, you know, you don't want to have a heart attack and you want to make sure you're not going to have a heart attack when you go out and run. But I do think it would be good to jog for some of the measurements to kind of move your heart rate around a little bit. Right. And so sometimes when you go out and do a race or, or you just run really fast for five minutes or 10 minutes, that that could move the VO2 max around a little bit also. And if you were doing, I would tell you that um, if you really want to see an improvement in your VO2 max, it doesn't always have to be the brisk walking or running. Like there'll be times when I'll do heavy elliptical. And I'll just be doing the elliptical and I'll get my heart rate up aerobically. But then there'll be other times where maybe I'll say to you, okay, you know what I want you to do 
when you're feeling good and you feel like your fitness is improving and you're feeling like you're not breathing as hard and you're maybe able to on the elliptical go up a level or two, then maybe I will want you to do some hard intervals or you could do this on the Peloton, you know, where you take a class that has some intervals, right? And getting your heart rate intensity up for some periods of time, whether it's running a race or doing a hard five minute or three minute hard intervals and you have to go with one or two minute recovery or you doing like a Peloton class where you're going really hard for a period of time and then recovering and really hard. Those are all great things to help, you know, really improve your aerobic fitness. And when we improve our aerobic fitness, that's when our VO2 max is going to go up. But it's not just about that. Remember, it's also about if we're, if we're not following some of the other pillars, you know, we're taking bad stuff into our body, we're not sleeping, all those other things, it absolutely does impact um, our VO2 max. And you've heard me talk about ways to measure your VO2 max and to improve your VO2 max. But one thing I want to make clear is that I measure my VO2 max every day with my Garmin measures it, my Apple Watch measures it. I'm usually wearing both devices right now as I kind of correlate the data. And I'm not doing any hard workouts. It's all really, really easy. And I know my VO2 max numbers are accurate there because it measures what my pace is uh, and my duration is and what my heart rate is. Again, it doesn't factor in weather, humidity, dew point, heat, sun, elevation, hills up and down, etc. So I don't want you to think that you have to go out and run really, really fast. You could measure it if you don't run. You could measure it with a very brisk walk outside where you're getting your heart rate up a little bit. And if you do that multiple times on the same course, same weather conditions, etc., etc., you'll get a number. And then over time, if you walk that same course and you take the same measurements, same duration, same profiles, You'll see, does it go up or down? And you'll know pretty much when you start to check it if it goes up or down. Now, don't get too frustrated. Sometimes it goes down for no reason, something unexplainable. The most frustrating thing is when the heart rate monitor is inaccurate for one workout, and then it assumes that the heart rate is accurate, and all of a sudden you see your VO2 max go from 35 to 32 because on the same course, in the same conditions, with the same elevation gains, et cetera, et cetera, the day before your average heart rate was 125, and today it was 150, even though the 150, your heart rate was inaccurate, but it is going to think it's accurate, right, which is why you need multiple days. Yesterday when I went out for a run, for the last 20 minutes of my run, when I knew my heart rate was probably in the 120s and 130s, my watch said it was in the 160s. So I knew it was inaccurate. And after that workout, sure enough, the VO2 max went down. But if you keep doing these things consistently, it will readjust once it is accurate. Okay. I, I think since I lost access to the gym, you know, since it shut down, and I don't have um, an exercise bike or um, uh elliptical i think it's it's caused my vo2 max to go down because i just don't think because i'm not a big runner because of uh, uh, knee replacement but i don't think i can get as much sort of cardiovascular pushing just by doing really brisk walking as i could on an elliptical right and i think that uh if i were you if i lived where you lived in a house and that was the case and i couldn't run i would buy an elliptical i would just get one yeah you know what I mean? And it is one of the, I mean, this is what's going to extend your life potentially. Right. And I've had many clients right now that have bought like the good pre cores. There's my brother. I can recommend some bill if you want. Like my brother bought a, I think it, I forget, maybe it was a Nordic track one. They love it because he can just get on there and he can read or he can just think. And, you know, he, he my brother goes out for a run every day and, but then at night he might jack in another 20 minutes. Right. And it just, it matters like getting our heart rate up, 
matters. And I guess, Bill, said differently, you probably are exercising less, right? Because you don't have access to the gym. And so you got to figure out how to be more consistent, right? And if it was, if I had my druthers, I don't care if you did 15 minutes every day, I'd rather have you more consistent. But if you really want to improve your VO2 max, you've got to be looking in the zip code of what I've seen you do in the past, which is you've done an hour, many days, and maybe one slightly longer 61 to 120 minute workout on the weekend, right? And it can be all easy. And, you know, you can, and then once you start to feel like your fitness is improving, then I would tell you if you're on the elliptical, do three minute hard intervals, like really hard, and then do a minute recovery where you're barely walking or just jump off the machine and go get some water or something and do another three and then recover. You know, and then when you get really good, I like people to do the five minute ones and then recover for 90 seconds. You know, these intervals can certainly improve your aerobic fitness and capacity and endurance and will ultimately, if you are, if one is consistent, will improve your VO2 max. But I don't want you to obsess about the numbers too, because there will be times where if you're just doing, it's not going to measure your VO2 max on an elliptical machine. Okay. It, you need to go out and do a run or a brisk walk or something that's outside where it can measure all the different variables it does with heart rate and heart rate variability and GPS and pace. It looks at all those things. It absolutely considers all those things, right? So you, you use the um, elliptical and or the Peloton is a great thing. I'm really looking forward to the day that Peloton actually gets an elliptical going. I've heard that that's going to happen in the future. I'll be buying that instantaneously, right? Because maybe even they have some classes and some stuff that you can do, but elliptical is just such a easy way to get your heart rate up with no impact, right? You can fire up a movie. It is spectacular, but it's not going to measure your VO2 max that way. So you'll still have to go out and do some brisk walks or some easy runs, you know, to, to get the measurement. And one other comment, I talked about trying to get up our exercise duration, and you heard me talking to Bill about shooting for what he's done in the past, which is 45 to 60 minutes, and maybe even one longer workout a week. Some people will hear that and say, there's no way I'm doing that. I don't have time for that. And that is fine. There have been some things that have come out recently with regards to exercise and just the importance of physical exercise physical activity, PA, as many of the uh, things that I've been reading lately call it. And the, the, the first conclusion after saying that in a pandemic with COVID, most people are, many people are exercising less, less and have uh, reduced their physical activity is something is better than nothing. So if you said to me, I don't have time for that, I'd say, great, you can, you can increase your VO2 max by improving your overall health and wellness and fitness by following the pillars and getting some aerobic exercise in as little as 15 minutes a day. The recommendation from a lot of the experts is 75 minutes of vigorous activity or 150 minutes a week of um, easier activity, okay? 150 minutes, that's, you know, that's not chump change, right? And so, I mean, that's 30 minutes, five days a week. If you can't do 30 minutes, I'll take 15 minutes, five days a week, right? And some of the experts will tell you, maybe you make the 15 minutes a little more high intensity. You'll have to judge that yourself. The one thing I would caution you upon, and all the literature says this, and I've been saying this for 10 years, is that sometimes one binges with exercise and they go from nothing to a lot, back to nothing, back to a lot, back and forth, back and forth over time. And when they are in a period of binging exercise, they have an attitude often of, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to, uh, everyone says that if I get short or high intensity, I'm just going to do all high intensity. 
But the thing to be aware, and I don't know, honestly, which is better. I like to do longer duration. I feel better with longer duration and lower heart rate. I get hurt a lot less. I feel a lot better. It's just easier and just much more enjoyable for me. So that's what I do. And I'll sprinkle in some hard efforts, maybe a mile or two a week. Not, not very much, 10 or 20 minutes a week. Um, it's a small percentage maybe of my exercise. But the thing to think about is that when we... Uh, when one starts to exercise really hard after not exercising for a while, while they might be improving their fitness, they also most of the time will uh, reduce their immune system for a while. They will weaken their immune system as the body is reacting to this super hard intensity exercise that it's not used to. And very often you will see people get sick right after resuming a hardcore exercise regime. You see it all the time. People just start to exercise regularly, and you definitely see it in people that go out and run races, particularly the endurance athletes that go out and they run a really, really, really hard marathon after not training that hard and maybe not being that well trained for it, and they get sick after. So just be careful. Just ramp up. Harder is not always better. As long as you're elevating your heart rate and you're getting a sweat, you are getting exercise and something is better than nothing. So please ignore me when I say trying to get more is better. You know, the, the recommendation of 150 minutes of easy exercise, you know, per week, which is five times 30, 30 minutes, or you can split it up however you want. Uh, I do. I try and do an hour a day. That's just where I feel best. And uh, in the times where I have a chance to do one longer workout a week, again, all easy, I feel even better. But you should do what works for you. And take recommendations for me or anybody else with a grain of salt. You should do what works for you and don't do what doesn't work for you. But the most important thing is to try and get some consistent exercise in. I would say a majority of it being easy aerobic exercise where you get your heart rate up. If you can do that via strength or strength classes, great. And some strength. And with COVID around, now is not the time to weaken your immune system. Now is the time to strengthen your immune system, to follow the pillars, to sleep at least seven hours a night, to eat a lot of plants, to eat a majority of unprocessed food. Most of the people in the world probably eat no more than 10 or 20% of whole foods and 10 or 20% of unprocessed foods, which means they're eating 80% of processed foods. So now is the time to focus on your immune system being strong, and it is not worth going super, super hard to try and, you know, improve your fitness super fast and taking the risk of weakening your immune system. Because when we weaken our immune system, whether before COVID, we would get a cold or we would get sick, we're more susceptible to those things. It's a different ballgame with COVID. You want to keep your immune system as strong as possible so that if you happen to be around somebody with COVID, either A, you fight off and don't get it, uh, asymptomatic or you just don't get it, or B, if you do get it, you give yourself the best chance to have the lowest intensity COVID disease as possible, okay? So that's why it's so important, so, so important to keep your immune system strong. So my advice would be, if you're not exercising regularly, figure out how to put an exercise plan in place. Nothing wrong with it being easy. Now, you don't want it to be too easy. I have some people I coach and they'll go out for a walk and when I look at their heart rate, it's like 90, 95. Now that is movement. That is not exercise. What I am talking about here is physical activity or physical exercise where we're either doing strength exercises or mostly 
uh, aerobic or anaerobic exercise where your heart rate is elevated. And that means at a minimum for most ages, your heart rate's gonna be at least 102. Unless you're in your 80s or older, you know, you're, you're, and it may be some people in their 80s or 70s, they can get their heart rate up um, into the low 100s and they sweat. But even for my mom, who's 77 years old, she gets her heart rate up, you know, in the 110s, you know, 102 to 110, 110 to 120, you know, somewhere in that zip code, she gets a good sweat up and she gets good exercise. So most important thing here, be consistent, try and incorporate some easy exercise in, make sure it's not too easy. If your heart rate is as low as I just said, I would consider that movement. We do need to move when we're not exercising also, but the topic of this is exercise and we do want to elevate our heart rate and we don't want to just jump in and go super, super hard and weaken our immune system and all of a sudden we get the flu or we get a cold or, you know, COVID. Okay. Uh, but this has been great. Thank you all. Uh, you know, look forward to seeing you next week. Great. Thanks a lot, Bill. Take care now. Have a good one. Who else wants to talk about VO2 max? Vince, what do you know what uh, your device says for your VO2 max is right now? I have to check. <laughs> you talking about this says I made me think I have no clue what my VO2 max is. Well, it's fascinating. But it measures it every night. I see, I see it doing it. It does. And Vince, by the way, um, Shruti Emilio, Vince, what what was your you were a two miler in high school and you ran what nine nine ten? For two miles, I forget. I, I ran an 11.15 as a 14-year-old. 11.15, okay. So 5.15 five and, and 6. 5.15 and 6, right. And you never ran a sub-5 mile? Uh, not on record. <laughs> I was 14. I was just balls to the wall. Right. Not but the you... smartest runner. That's, probably, that's why I didn't last too long. <laughs> but any anybody can go around a five fifteen mile, and I suspect if you would have really pushed it, you could run sub five with that kind of ability. Given you can yeah, run second yeah. mile at six, is born with some sort of gift with VO two max. You ju you just are. I mean, you just see it. And I, it's funny. I actually think of the Boston Marathon as basically a genetic gifted race because most of the people that qualify for Boston, they go out and they do, and it's easy for them. It's not even hard for them. You know what I mean? Whereas somebody can work their whole life and try and qualify for Boston and they just will never be able to do it because they can't, they don't have the VO two max necessary to be able to do it. My issue with running now is that I can't, my, I, I get too many, I, my, my legs break down, my hips, my knees to, to get to consistent, any sort of consistent long distance. To, are you, are you doing strength? You, that tells me you need to be doing strength. Yeah, I'm doing a, the, the, yeah, a, a lot of strength. I just started doing uh, Olympic lifting the past month since gym's open. And that's when my, uh, and, that, and that's when running got difficult. Well, it's interesting because when I say strength, I should have been more clear. I'm talking about glutes and core strengths for runners. I'm not talking about the CrossFit strength that you typically do. Not They're exactly. very different. And so if one doesn't do the, the, the strength training, I can, I have some exercise I can send to you, but if one doesn't do the strength training for the glutes and the core as a runner, then, um, they tend to get hurt. And, um, I've had many people come to me and say, I want to train for a marathon and I want to continue my CrossFit training. And I, I think every single time I've had to turn them down because they're completely different goals. And particularly if somebody says they have a time goal, right? If you just want to finish it, that's one thing. But if somebody says, look, I want to, I want to qualify for Boston. I want to keep my CrossFit training going. CrossFit training is spectacular. I'm, I'm all for it. And because you do a lot of different aerobic things and a lot of strength things, et cetera. But 
for somebody that wants to become metabolically efficient and for somebody who needs to do um, the strength training that is required for training for a marathon just means that people have to do two a days, which means, okay, you can go do your CrossFit training. You still got to run, right? Which means two a day right there. And you still got to do your strength training, which is not the same as, you know, competitive weightlifting like you're talking about, which means it's a three a day, right? So it's just like, that's almost impossible for anybody to do, right? Now, I know you've been running more events and, uh, but I think if you want to make sure that you are uh, not going to get hurt uh, and you're because your legs shouldn't feel like jelly, particularly if you're doing the easy running. If they are, it's it's probably wobble. You're, they're wobbly and you need to do more strength, more glutes and core. It's bridges and advanced clamshells and it's the warrior where you put one leg behind you, see if you're wobbly. It's step ups, you know, it's stuff with uh, therabands side to side type things. It's, it's, I like to do reverse lunges. It could be any lunge, but you know, it's reverse lunges. It's these things that really work on the glutes. Yeah. 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 I got, yeah. If you have something to send over, that'd be fantastic. I do. Emilio, are you one yeah. of those people that doesn't even have to do strength when you train or do you do a lot of strength? Uh, no, I do a little bit, but yeah, a I don't do bit. as much as you run a hundred miles. <laughs> No, it's interesting. I don't do as much as the people like my, you know, my brother-in-law or some other other people that I, you know, I see. They seem to really focus on that quite a bit. I have I have a, a question though because I I just looked up our reports. I had your 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 my report. Yeah. Um, mine mine doesn't have from our metabolic efficiency training. Mine doesn't have a straight VO two max. I'm sure we can calculate it, but it said it was it was per kilogram meter, you know, per meter. I guess. Which I think that she, I thought she told us when you did your test that you had achieved a certain level of VO2 max during the she, test. She did, but the, she, it wasn't in the report. It, 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 I had a 0.175 milliliter, you know, right. I remember that meter. Right. And she said that was, you know, great, but I, I don't, you know, I, and, and she put it into some context. But I, I now I now it's got me really curious. So yeah, and she I remember now that look if I, as I said at the beginning of this call if I was to go get a metabol if I was to choose a test I would much rather get the metabolic efficiency test because really the VO two max number doesn't really mean anything other than on a relative basis trying to right. improve it. it. It's a macho number that yep. people people brag about. Yeah. But people don't really know what to do with it. And now I know what to do with it, which is if I, my number is forty nine, then right. I'm like oh I gotta get back and eat healthier and do all these different right. things. <laughs> Then to improve it, right? But yeah, I remember right. now. That, and right. I think that's because you pay for the metabolic efficiency test, she'll tell you verbally what the VO2 max was, how much consumption you had, but she doesn't put it in the report. Yeah. It, it, I'm but, gonna but, see if I can calculate it. I'm gonna try to calculate it off that other number she gave me. Were you wearing a Garmin? It, no. I thought you had a Garmin. Was I? Yeah, now. Was I or am I? Yeah. Oh yeah, and now yeah. I do. Yeah. I mean, if you look back on your Garmin account, it'll it'll have recorded your VO2 max pretty much for every workout. So you can go back and look probably. And that's going to be close. Really? Okay. I'll, it'll I'll be go close. check that out. It'll be close. Okay. Uh, Vince, so um, your VO2 max actually might be fairly low uh, right now when we look at it versus what your ability is. And that's probably because if you're not doing pretty much consistent you know, training, or if you're running really easy and you haven't done any speed work whatsoever, it might be low until you actually get more of a uh, population of data into it, right? Now, I know you did, you have run some yeah. faster miles lately. I saw that, which is great. Um, but, you know, it might be, it might be fairly accurate. You just got to check and let me know or send me a screenshot from your phone. 
Yeah, yeah, look into them. Yeah, I dropped off once the gyms opened, and I started lifting a lot more and more light runs or walks, bike rides in the mornings to keep loose, but not for training purposes. But great, um, it's all about movement and getting a heart rate. Yeah, you know, it's about both of those things. Both yeah, are yeah. important. All right, Vince. Anything else you so want to talk about? Up, it shows up in Garmin. It shows up in Garmin. It does actually. Oh, go ahead. I, okay. I might be. I might be able even to look. Take a look, but um, it, it probably feeds into my app too. But I, I, I have to take a look. And again, it's really a meaningless number, other than you know what? Like as you're training, you can use it as a benchmark and try and improve it, right? And we will know that your yeah, yeah, yeah. running fitness is improving if that number is going up. And conversely, we'll know that it's not and your fitness is not improving if it's going down. I'll say the couple calls definitely kept me motivated. So thanks for keeping this going. Yeah. Um, it's like, I, I, um, I, I've been podcasting out the ones too. I don't know if you're subscribed on Apple podcasts, but there's some good ones recently, recently we've done talking to different people. My brother, who's a surgeon was on talking about some stuff. It's pretty, some of the stuff's pretty interesting. I learned a lot from it and, you may want to go back and listen to some of those on your runs or walks. Yeah, definitely. If you go to the Apple Health Kit um, app, it has the little red heart with a white background, and you go to heart rate, it will tell you what your VO2 max is there, too. I'd be interested if you could take a screenshot and send that to me. It'll be something for us to work on since you just started running again. Okay, will do. All right. All right. So I'll see you guys next week. Great, Truti. Keep up the great work. I'm okay. very, very, very impressed with your, your improvements. Keep it up. Cool. Thank you. All right. Bye. See ya.